evening, and thank you for joining the Voice of Many podcast with your host, Yolanda, and co-host, Vanessa. This afternoon, we have the privilege of having with us um, our guest who runs a child um, anxiety support program. She is a has a membership program for parents with um, anxious children, um, helping them through anxiety problems, and her program gives parents the support and the information they need to feel free um, with their families and how to go from feeling trapped um, in, in a situation to being able to actually breathe and have the support and the guidance and the structure that they need. Um, please welcome our guest, Ms. Dawn Freeman. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here with the both of you. Thank you for, for joining us. And I, I know that we're in different time zones here, but I have to say your um, being here with us is going to open up so many doors, answer so many questions for those that are listening and watching. And I would like to just jump in and just say, how can we tell our child is going through um, any forms of anxiety and how do we help them um, and do we need to be concerned? So that, that's a, a really great, great question because anxiety is normal. We're all going to be anxious. I was anxious before I got on here and then I met the two of you and you're lovely and I'm not anxious anymore, but that would be normal to be anxious. And, and that made me prepare. Right. And, and maybe you had some anxiety about coming on here too, and interviewing me and, and you told me how much you prepare for these interviews. So anxiety is a good thing. It's a bad thing when kids get stuck. So a child who is so worried about a test that they don't study, or is so worried about a test that they stay up all night studying and then are exhausted and do poorly on the test the next mm -hmm. day. So it's when anxiety is running the show instead of it being useful for them. True. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What are some of the normal causes that you've um, come across more often for the childhood anxiety? Well, I think that's really interesting because I was just talking to my husband about this because we have one child with anxiety and sometimes he'll say, oh, I shouldn't have done this because I probably made that child anxious. You cannot make someone be anxious. You either have a brain that is prone to this kind of dysfunctional level of anxiety or you don't. So if you have a child who has the more anxious brain and you say to them, be careful. They might be like, oh my gosh, I have to be careful because the world is dangerous. You say it to another kid and they're like, yeah, yeah, mom, gotcha, whatever. And they, they do whatever. So it's, it's not so much that there are causes. It's that some of us have more anxious brains than others. And then something maybe triggers it. So we were talking before we hit record that mm -hmm. COVID triggered anxiety for a lot of kids, like kids who maybe were functioning great. And then COVID happened and their anxious brains got a little bit stuck there. If COVID hadn't happened, maybe they wouldn't have developed anxiety. We don't know. Maybe they would have developed anxiety later on down the road, maybe in high school when things got difficult, or maybe after their first breakup, or as we talk sometimes postpartum anxiety, but mostly it's not that what they're anxious about. It's, it's the anxiety itself is part of the way of their functioning. Well, so 
in order to help them, how do we start treating the anxiety that they're experiencing? This, this is the hardest thing because we as parents want to protect our children. Right. And so, for example, if you had a child who's afraid of spiders, you would try to protect them from spiders. You would, you would like kill the spider for them before it ever gets to them. However, when we're talking about anxiety that's become dysfunctional, we actually need to expose them to the things that they're anxious about. So if a child is so afraid of spiders that they can't say, or, or hair bees, a lot of kids are afraid of bees. Mm -hmm. If a child is so afraid of bees that they won't go out in the backyard and play because they're afraid of bees, they need to go be around some bees. They need to go be outside in the yard and, and deal with the reality that bees exist in the world and that we cannot limit our lives because of those things. And that's where parents really get stuck is so they say, okay, so you're, I'm supposed to upset my child by exposing them. And I go, yeah, actually that's what you have to do. Well, I never thought of it that way. I know, I know, neither did I, but th that's what all the research shows there. Like, so when we do treatment with a child and we're doing the cognitive behavioral work and we're doing play therapy, if I, I would tell parents, I can spend an hour a week with your kid working on this, but if they go home and you're not changing things up for them, they're not going to figure it out. They have, the parents need to do, unfortunately, you know, parenthood, parents have to do most of the work. It's not fair, but it is a fact. Okay. So what are some of the common symptoms that we should be looking for in our children for the anxiety? Well, lots of kids get stomach aches and headaches. Lots of kids go to the nurse's office a lot. Um, kids struggle with insomnia, just like all of us. When I was, when I was an anxious kid, I used to have trouble sleeping. Um, kids who have a specific phobia are often more prone to anxiety. So like, I was really scared of thunderstorms, not like typical, but like meltdown, afraid of thunderstorms. Oh. It, if we had known then poor little baby Dawn might've gotten the help she deserved, but <laughs> we didn't know that that was a sign of what would later become more difficult anxiety. I was just afraid of thunderstorms. Um, but the other thing, and, and this is a really important one because a lot of parents don't realize it's the kid who comes to you constantly for reassurance. So mm. the kid who says, are we safe? Are we okay? Did you check the windows? Are they locked? What if the house caught on fire? Mm. What would we do? That kid who has to keep coming back for reassurance, that is a kid with anxiety. Okay. That's, um, that's one of my grandbabies right there. <laughs> that's, that's one of my kids too. That's, and, and that one is really tricky because almost without thinking, we reassure them, we reassure them mm -hmm. and, and that's getting them stuck in that loop. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. They're stuck in that loop and we're trying to get them the right treatment mm -hmm. and getting the treatment. How do we know that we're really treating them for anxiety and how do we determine if it's really anxiety or something else? So anxiety is often, uh, so I will say this anxiety is super, super, super common. And uh, so the, um, the, the research says about 25% of kids have clinical levels of anxiety. I think it's higher, but about 25%. And I, I always say that the kids who come to my office are either anxious or angry and all the angry kids are anxious. So, Fully, 
every single kid that I have seen in my therapy office had anxiety. They may have come to me for tantrums, behavior problems, um, even depression. Anxiety is always there. So anxiety often shows up with ADHD. 25% of kids with ADHD also have anxiety, but we're not sure sometimes which comes first, the anxiety or the ADHD. Kids with, uh, come with sensory issues and that's really anxiety, or maybe the anxiety issues are caused by the sensory issues. Again, depression, anxiety, two sides of the same coin. They're just both really common. They show up together. And part of that is because anxiety makes the world seem like a discouraging place. And, and that's depressing that, and children start to, they, unfortunately with anxiety, we think, oh my gosh, I can't handle the world. And that's depressing too. Mm. So Mm. I I think, again, does a child need a clinical diagnosis of anxiety to benefit from a parent who understands anxiety? No. If the better we understand anxiety, the more we can support our anxious kids and we can do those things and get them help should they need it too. Both things. Okay. So where should, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. And then we'll loop back around after after you finish, go ahead. Okay. So where should we as parents go to find our children a therapist that they need? This is a really tough question right now because I know that all the therapists are full. That's, uh, we are in a mental health crisis in this country right now. So I know all the therapists are full. And, and so I'm not saying, I, I just want to acknowledge that. And the other thing is there's, it's hard to find a therapist who works with kids. The younger your child is, the harder that's going to be. And then to find a therapist whose hours work with yours, because, you know, many of us work nine to five and evening hours and weekend hours are difficult. Mostly to say, again, I really honor it. It is very difficult, but the, the way to do it is I would say, talk to teachers, talk to school counselors, talk to pediatricians. If uh, often churches have therapists that they know and they work with, sometimes they even have therapists who work with um, church members specifically, ask around because Googling is not going to get you everybody. Not everybody's got a website. Going to psychology today isn't going to get you everybody. Not everybody's on psychology today. And asking your insurance isn't always going to work because often their stuff is outdated. Mm-hmm. So if you can just ask around and also because then people will tell you what they liked and didn't like about their therapist. We know that the, the, the greatest predictor of success in therapy is that the child clicks with the therapist. And again, the younger the child is, the more involved you're going to be in the therapy. So you have to click with them too. So you can find out I, for example, I think you can tell I'm a pretty casual therapist. I'm a little bit ridiculous. I maybe cuss a little bit not to kids, but to grownups. And so I'm not going to be the right fit for everybody. If you want a more formal therapist, if you want a calmer therapist, if your child would do better with a therapist who's younger, then that is okay. You could, you should find someone who's going to be a good fit for both of you. And it just frankly takes work and you might need to get on some wait lists. But the thing I think about with kids in therapy is it's an investment. And so you, you're, I have a number of people that I've worked with their kid, maybe when their kid was five or even nine. And then that child come thinks of me in their teens when they're struggling. So we're investing in a relationship there that the child can maybe come back later. And then sometimes there are kids who saw me when they were young and they don't want to see me now that they're teens because they're, they've outgrown me, but they'll call me and ask. And because I know them, I can give them a better referral. That's good. That's good. 
Now, too, we were talking before we started recording um, about the anxiety and how real it is, not just for our kids now, but for all of us. And COVID has really impacted our lives more than we may want to acknowledge. And it's to the point that where our anxiety level is also button heads with our depression level. And what is it and how do we um, acknowledge it and correct it being adults? Well, I, I think that it's really, really re- important too, because anxiety is so catching and it's, it's meant to be catching because if we're gazelles at a watering hole and a lion comes and one of them pops their head up, you know, the whole herd does it right. Mm-hmm. Or the way birds are, well, that's how we are too. And anxiety is meant to be catching so that we can trans, we can just let each other know, Hey, it's dangerous out there. There's the lion, everybody get ready. So your child will catch your anxiety and you'll catch your child's anxiety. I catch my kid's anxiety so bad and really have to sometimes separate myself and go, oh, this isn't, this isn't me. I'm not going to be able to respond well if I respond right now, because I'm getting very nervous. And, and even with clients, sometimes that's almost when I'm meeting a client for the first time and I feel myself like "Ah," jittery, Mm -hmm. I'm doing an anxiety assessment because I go, oh, I'm catching something from them here. So, so yes, I think it's a really important point that taking care of ourselves is taking care of our kids because they can catch calm from us too. They can catch security from us too. So all of those parents were like, yeah, I'm going to go get therapy. As soon as I find one for my kid, Mm -mm, it's going to be easier to find a therapist for you. So please do that. And you're, and once you're having a relationship with a therapist, Things might shift enough with your child that maybe you don't feel your child needs therapy as much, or your therapist will get to know your family enough that they can help you figure out what to do next. And maybe they have a colleague that they're like, oh, she just had an opening. I think your kid would love them. So, you know, we need our people to taking care of ourselves is taking care of our kids. Okay. So also that means that I want to lose my train of thought here. So we don't want, oh, I'm losing it here. Okay, so whenever that happens, there is a tendency to say, oh my goodness, I have anxiety. And we, sometimes we get embarrassed or afraid to even say, I need help. So now, you know, a lot of people don't want to admit, hey, I need help. What should we do? Get help anyway. Or was that helpful? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. really. Yeah. But here's the thing too about anxiety. Okay. Anxiety is very practical. The treatment for adults, for kids, it's a little more complicated because you're working with the parents, mm-hmm. but the treatment for adults is really understanding how anxiety, uh, the, the anxiety loop, which is Um, you feel anxiety in your body and it causes your brain to look for something anxious and that makes your body anxious. And we kind of get stuck in that loop. So calming down our bodies helps Mm -hmm. and then learning ways to think. And so much of the learning ways to think that we learn in CBT, it's, it's all the kind of self-help books. It's all the kind of stuff you see on Oprah and on TikTok mindset stuff. And 
I mean, CBT is some really practical ways of shifting the way you're experiencing the world to which I'm saying, you don't have to be afraid that you're going to go to therapy and lie down on a couch. And the therapist is going to go tell me all about your parents. I mean, sometimes you might want to talk about your parents, Mm -hmm. but if you're there to work on anxiety, it can be as very practical and forward thinking as you like. If you want to dig in deep, you can do that, but you can also say, no, I just really want to focus on getting some tools to manage my anxiety. Mm -hmm. You you're the boss of therapy. That's the other thing. You're the boss of it. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. And you can tell your therapist, I don't like that. I'm not answering that question. That's private. You're the boss of it. Mm. Okay. Now the the last point I want to bring back um, around that we were also discussing Um, a lot of ladies had, um, children during COVID, um, postpartum depression on top of the COVID depression, uh, and a lot of first time parents, um, the, the anxiety, the fear of becoming parents, all of that together meshed how speak on that, speak on that, please. Um, I know it's a lot. I know I I put a lot of it in there, but I mean, just postpartum depression itself. Um, let, let's handle one at a time. Then we take it from there. Well, I got to say my heart goes out to the parents who had kids during COVID or right before COVID. I, it's so unfair. And and I, I, I had a couple of clients during COVID who, who had kids or had very young children, and they really had to grieve the fact that they thought it was going to be different. Like they thought they were going to show their kid off to the relatives. You know, they, they thought they were going to be going to library story time and they didn't get to do those things. And it's so unfair. And, and, or maybe they wanted their parent to come help and their parent wasn't able to, yeah to come and do that. And, and that, that is heartbreaking because boy, moms deserve support when you have a new baby and to not get that is just really unfair. And I I do think that we need to grieve those things. It's not, it's not stupid or shallow. Uh, You know, I I've had clients say things like, you know, I just, I just had a vision of people coming over and bringing me casseroles and nobody did that, but it's silly. You know, they go, Oh, but it's silly. I'm so lucky. I'm so, for-. no, no, no. You get to whine about that a little bit. Cause that's a, that's a very real loss. Fortunately, postpartum support international, which is a fantastic organization has tons of free groups. And because of COVID they went online and I know our local arm of postpartum support international is keeping their meetings online because it's so much easier for women to get there. I I think they're going to still have a couple of in-person meetings, but they're going to stay online. So never before has it been so easy to hang out with other women who get it. And, and I'll tell you it is, I I think therapy is great. Obviously I'm a therapist. Everybody should get therapy, but if you're not ready for therapy or it's not accessible or whatever, those postpartum support groups are amazing because they're the only place you can go and complain about your kids and your partner or your lack of partner or your annoying mother-in-law and nobody's going to judge you. You can say, I don't know if maybe I should have had, maybe I shouldn't have had a kid. Sometimes I regret it. Nobody's going to judge you. Mm. You can say, sometimes I just want to run away from home and they'll go, I hear you. It is, it is so freeing to be with people who understand the great complications 
of having children that you love so much and yet you are sick of them, you know? It's mm. good. So that also means too, whenever how you were saying your children can sometimes pick up your anxiety. So with these new moms that are having babies, that means too the babies are picking up on their mom's anxiety and being exposed to it and being extra sensitive and probably crying a lot more because they don't know what to do with it either. Yeah. You know, know, there's baby blues. Yeah. I, I think that's so tricky too, because my daughter had colic. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, that, and that's, that's just terrible. And of course you're not getting that feedback that, you you know, we're learning each other when we have a new Mm -hmm. baby. And when your, your baby just screams the whole time, you're like, well, I guess I'm just the worst person who ever lived. I'm the most terrible parent. Um, the, the thing I'll say is you, you cannot break your baby. It is much harder to break your baby than you think. And babies fortunately are kind of, I, I, I'm not saying that they're, their brains are developing very quickly, but they're not that bright yet. So there's some leeway there. There's some leeway there that you do not have to, you do not have to be a shiny, a little ball of sunshine every day with your baby. Mm-hmm. So those parents who are feeling guilty about that, please don't feel guilty about that. I had a friend actually, cause I really struggled with when my daughter's colic and she said, you can say anything you want to her as long as you say it sweetly. And I would go, Oh, honey, I'm going to leave you on the curb. You were just driving mommy crazy. And somehow it made me feel better to say that. And she, you know, she didn't know that I was miserable because I was faking it a little bit. So it's okay to fake it a little bit. Wow. It's great. It's really good. Really good. And have definitely enjoyed this time together. This, um, Don, can you please tell those that are watching and listening how to learn more about you, follow you, get in, get in touch with you? So my website is childanxietysupport.com and you can message me there. And on the contact page, you can actually schedule a consult if you wanted to. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Don Friedman, M-S-E-D. That's good. Great. Well, then we want to thank you so much for joining us and giving us this wonderful information, which has helped me. And I hope it has helped others as well. You guys are, you guys are just a delight. I mean, really, this has been so fun. (laughs) I'm glad you've enjoyed it. We've enjoyed you. They didn't know how much we were yucking it up before. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And to those of you who are listening or watching, please don't forget to follow us on our social media outlets. And please don't forget to click that like and subscribe button as we don't want you to miss out on our great guests or great topics. And we will talk to you later. Thank you for tuning in. Mm-hmm.